Hi, everybody. Welcome to Trek Trek. I'm your host, Justin Chang, and with me is Randy Nelson. Hey, Justin. Hey, everyone. Hey, Randy. How's it going? Hey. Hey. Whoa. whoa. Is that you, Justin? That's me. I I hardly recognized your voice. (laughs) It's been so long. It's been a long road. Yeah, it has. But we're back. I think. Yeah, we're back. Is this really us? Yeah, that's really us. Uh, It's not (laughs) the mirror universe us. Oh, right, right. Yeah, they got, um, you know, dissolved or something. Yeah. It's the real us. Uh huh. We're here to talk about Star Trek Discovery. Yeah. What, why, wait, we were on a hiatus because the show wasn't on. So, like, why are we back? Well, the show's back. Oh, right, right. That explains, (laughs) (laughs) that explains what I was watching the other day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we've got a lot to talk about. Yeah, but, not, uh, not only is Star Trek Discovery back, but apparently CBS is all in on the Star Treks. Oh, yeah. I mean, so much has happened. <laughs> so much is happening uh, that we haven't even talked about uh, in, gosh, it feels like a year, but it hasn't been quite a year, I don't think. Um, There's at least two new shows mm-hmm. that have been announced. Mm-hmm. Well, uh, one and probably uh, the... One that I'm personally the most excited about uh, is a new series uh, following the life after Star Trek The Next Generation of one Captain Jean-Luc Picard. Yeah, I'm um, very interested. And there's been simultaneously a lot about this show uh, that's been put out there into the ether and then also not a lot about this show. Uh, we, we know, obviously, that Patrick Stewart is reprising his role as Jean-Luc Picard. Um, there are a lot of uh, really great people involved in it. Uh, it, it must be pretty compelling uh, for Patrick Stewart to put the uniform back on, I guess, as it were. Um, but, you know, there's there's a lot we, we, we don't know about it. But I, I think closest to when we're recording this, some of the, the news that's, that's come out has really had to deal with the format of the show and then also um a little bit about the plot so the format is apparently going to be a limited series okay um so apparently no seasons but you you never know right things things change what if it's the most successful star trek series ever then you know it'd be kind of crazy to just stop it right right um, and then the the backstory to it is really unusual uh, because it apparently takes place in a timeline that is set after the events of J.J. Um, Abrams' Kelvin Universe Star Trek uh, from 2009. Um, and as such, I, apparently has to do with there being no Romulan Empire. Hmm. And the effect that that has had on Picard's life. Um, so, <laughs> I mean, uh, we're apparently not going to just be getting Picard at his uh, family winery <laughs> or his, his vineyard, right? Um, I, I've been kind of racking my brain to think about what this could actually mean uh, for the character and for, um, you know, the plot. And, uh, yeah, it's, it's surely going to be interesting. Well, hopefully Tom Hardy returns as Shinzon. Oh, no. (laughs) Right, right. Or they can get, um, 
uh, James McAvoy, right? Sure. Uh, to, to play young, play young Picard. Uh, it's just going to be all Picards. What if every character is just Picard? There's, there's just, it's like being John Malkovic, except it's being John Luke. <laughs> I don't know. Anyways. Um, yeah. So there's, there's that coming along, um, that doesn't have a solid release date yet. There is also, uh, and some speculation that this may be the show that, uh, replaces the Picard show once it's, uh, run its limited series course is a show starring Michelle Yeoh as Philippa Giorgio. Uh, from the mirror universe. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's apparently going to be a section 31 series. Ooh, the dark side of Starfleet, if you will. All right. Yeah. So, um, they're clearly, uh, not done with that character yet. Um, they made a big deal out of, uh, you know, reintroducing her, uh, post. Wait, I was going to say posthumously. Posthumously? <laughs> in uh, the first season of discovery and it seems like uh maybe they really liked what they saw so they're going to be uh, exploring her character and i guess her adventure she gets up to after she leaves the discovery at the end of uh season one and uh apparently goes on to uh use her mirror universe knowledge and uh tech and such to i guess potentially uh get section 31 going so okay yeah and then um the rumored uh third series well okay hold on a second there's a lot more than three series because there's a rumored cw show based on uh starfleet academy Hmm. which apparently may not be on cbs all access but on the cw and then there are two animated series (laughs) (laughs) there's there's one called uh lower decks i believe um, which will be sort of like a, uh, animated for intended for adult audiences. Uh, and then there's going to be a, what people are thinking might be along the lines of a, um, if we, we could bring star Wars into this, something like a star Wars rebels or, uh, you know, a star Wars, uh, resistance, a youth geared star Trek. So there's a lot of Star Trek, and it, it's like you said, it's like CBS All Access is just going to become Star Trek All Access. Sure. Okay, I'm, I mean, I'm all for that. I mean, that'll keep me subscribed. Yeah, yeah, and then, yeah, if they time all of this right, and there's a lot of overlap, then uh, yeah, we won't keep pausing our subscriptions. <laughs> but uh, yeah, but there's uh, some other uh, there were some other uh, things uh, in the interim. To keep us watching CBS All Access, right? Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna talk about Star Trek Discovery. It's back. Yeah, uh, but uh, between seasons of Star Trek Discovery, they aired uh, some shorts called Short Treks. Oh, I see what they did there. And we're gonna be talking about all four episodes of Short Treks today. All right. Uh, first up, Short Treks episode one, Runaway. Mm-hmm. Original air date October fourth. 2018 that's like last year i don't know why we're talking about this <sighs> because i mean we're completists <laughs> we, we've got to do this right it, it, it must be it must be talked about uh okay so the episode begins in a recently vacated cargo bay aboard discovery you'll notice that a lot of these sets are empty in these episodes it's <laughs> almost as if 
<laughs> they didn't have the full crew, cast and crew around. Right, right. Well, whatever. We'll, we'll just, you know, ignore that. Uh, so on this uh, cargo bay, a creature emerges from a crate and cuts its finger uh, in her quarters. Tilly talks with her mother about the command training program. Uh, Tilly's mother mentions that Tilly is overly caffeinated. Uh, Tilly goes to an empty mess hall to get more coffee when she encounters an invisible creature that is bleeding uh, glowing orange blood. It's kind of like the Predator, but instead of green blood, it's orange. Okay. Well, (laughs) at least there's one difference, right? After, uh, you know, screwing up the replicators, the creature reveals itself to be a 17-year-old Zahian girl named Poe. Uh, Poe reveals that her parents and brother are dead, uh, and Poe is a strategically critical person because she built an incubator to recrystallize the lithium. Uh, Zahia has a dilithium mine uh, that's like their main uh, source of income, lithium mines. And uh, Poe realizes that she has to return to Zahia to protect the planet because no one loves Zahia like she does. Right. Um, She's got like kind of a, I don't know. A symbiotic relationship with the planet i don't or maybe not maybe she's just really like is into it yeah she just really <laughs> wants to defend her planet sure sure uh poe reveals to tilly that she learned about engineering from her brother the king of zahia oh and because he died she's going to be queen oh so really bury the lead here <laughs> uh and then uh, tilly uses the transporter send poe back to zahia after you know poe decides yeah. to go back uh it's a yeah. nice little story right yeah it's it's definitely a short trek yeah i mean um, all these episodes are like 15 to 20 minutes mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um this is mainly to you know show more of tilly's command side like she's making some important decisions and trying to convince uh zahia her mirror counterpart in this episode to mm-hmm. like hey you know you've got responsibilities and you can't run away from them mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so it's very much uh you know a, a bit of uh like you said there she's it, it she is meant to be kind of her you know equal in the story um and you know it, it has a bit of a you know it's it's a little bit of a microcosm of a you know what might you might call like a classic trek episode it you know it has this uh this uh situation that you know needs to be resolved and in this case it's you know what do you do with this one away um and uh then there's you know a couple of little twists and turns in there i think you know i think it was you know in terms of a a story uh that was trying to capture uh a lot of that you know kind of classic trek flavor while still you know giving us a little more insight into tilly um, I thought it did a really good job. Um, you know, Tilly, I, I think, you know, it, it's still just very focused on how neurotic she is. <laughs> right. Um, you know, but it, it does show that, uh, you know, under pressure, it seems like she can make uh, some good command decisions, mm-hmm. which, you know, is kind of the point, right? Yeah. Uh, episode two, Calypso, original air date, November 8th, 2018. Uh, the episode begins. There's a man pass out in an escape pod, and a computer tells us that life signs are at critical levels. Uh, the craft gets picked up by Discovery, and the man wakes up in Discovery's sick bay, which is empty and dark. <laughs> uh, Where is everyone? Uh, the only voice the man hears is from Zora, Discovery's computer. 
uh, we learned that the man calls himself Kraft, and he is a uh, reluctant soldier in a war against the Vidrish. Uh, he has watched a Betty Boop cartoon 811 times in the skate pod because he couldn't turn it off, which okay. sounds a little torturous. Yeah, and wait, he was a, he was awake? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Wow. He was just locked in there. Uh, we also learned that uh, Zora has been waiting for the Discovery crew's return for the last 1,000 years. Uh-oh. Don't, don't think they're coming back. Right. Dun-dun-dun! What a twist. Craft uh, wants to go home to his wife and son on Alcor 4, and Zora tells him there's a shuttle, but that it may not get him to Alcor 4, and Discovery cannot take him there because the ship was ordered to maintain position 1,000 years ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, time passes, and Zara shows Kraft uh, the movie Funny Face, a film from 1957. So, <laughs> like like in Enterprise, they're really yes. big on really old movies. I was I was really I was thinking about that. Like, wait, is this in the public domain? I don't think so. I think that there was a you know very conscious decision to use this movie. Sure, in this case, unlike on Enterprise. <laughs> Uh, later, Kraft dances with a holographic projection of Zora, and after dancing, Kraft thinks about his wife and son and leaves the bridge, and Zora is clearly upset as she realizes that he doesn't love her like she loves him. Uh, Zora gives Kraft new clothes and the shuttlecraft, uh, and the shuttlecraft is called Funny Face. Uh-huh. Uh, Kraft flies away while Zora plays a hologram of her and Kraft dancing. Yeah, presumably forever. <laughs> yeah, uh, I really like this episode. It reminded me of yeah. Black Mirror. Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, it was a, um, it was a it, almost like this could have been taken out of the Trek universe as just a standalone sci-fi short story. Yeah, and been, and and also been really good. I mean, it was unexpected. Um, I actually found myself during you know I was watching this thinking. Hmm. If, if these uh, short treks are, are going to focus on individual characters, is the idea here the character is discovery itself? Yeah. <laughs> but Zora, so Zora evolved from the ship's computer. Right. Right. So I, I guess what we're seeing is that the uh, ship's computers can evolve. And fall in love. Interesting. And fall in love. It's, it's an interesting concept. Yeah, I really liked it a lot, too. And this is... Uh, episode was written by Michael Chabon, who um, is one of the main people that's involved in the new um, Picard series. Okay. Um, and uh, watching this, you know, I could kind of get a little glimmer of uh, I mean, that he, he's a Pulitzer Prize winning author, um, novelist, and uh, apparently, you know, really highly regarded. And, and, you know, I can, I was already thinking, well, there must be some reason that, you know, Patrick Stewart's really got a lot of uh, faith in this person uh, to do something really cool with Picard. And then I see what, you know, he did when given the opportunity to write a Star Trek story. And I'm really excited. I think uh, it's, it's, it's bodes well. Uh, episode three, The Brightest Star, original air date, December 6, 2018. Mm-hmm. Uh, the episode begins with Kelpians as they farm for kelp. <laughs> as they do i mean that's what they're called uh, yep. they also sacrifice themselves to some sort of monolith in service to something <laughs> they called the great balance okay so you know well we learned before that kelpians are a prey 
society, right? Right. I just wasn't expecting it to be, you know, quite so cut and dry. <laughs> There's not even any hunting involved. Uh, we see uh, Saru and Saru's father uh, find some sort of fragment and ask the inquisitive Saru to dispose of it because mm-hmm. the fragment uh, that is from this uh, race called the Baul and their technology mm-hmm. is forbidden to the Kelpians. Right. And these are the hunter or these are the, the dominant species, right? Right. The Baul. It fell off their ship. Yeah. <laughs> it's like a muffler. <laughs> and yeah. So Saru's father's like, ah, you gotta get rid of this. And, but Saru wants to know why Kelpians can't fly like the Baul do. Uh, mm-hmm. we, yeah, I know. Saru is very uh, curious. Yeah. Yeah. We're definitely getting, we're definitely seeing that here. Uh, Saru examines and repairs the battle technology, which he uses to send a message out into the stars. And he eventually receives a response, uh, that says, hello. Oh, so he, you know, someone's uh, texting back. Yeah. It's a chat bot. (laughs) (laughs) No. Uh, later Saru says goodbye to his sister Serana and mm-hmm. rendezvous with a Federation shuttlecraft. Oh, there you go. In that shuttlecraft is Lieutenant Philippa Giorgio. She agreed yep. to meet with him because of his ingenuity with the bell technology. And mm-hmm. uh, she tells him that he can go with her, but it has to be right away and he can never return to his home world due to the prime directive. So, right. Since the Kelpians are a pre-warp society. Right, right. We can abduct one of you, but uh, yeah, we can't, you know, be uh, interacting with your people. But you're you're extra special, so I'm going to come and, and abscond with you. <laughs> well, if he wants to leave, you know. Oh, sure. Yeah, it's, it was up to him. And I mean, it's it's quite a, a choice he has to make there. So there you go. You get to Saru's origin story. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think of it? Uh, it was pretty cool uh i like saru in general Um, (laughs) yeah me too uh it was a little bit of a letdown after calypso just because calypso was so so interesting in general Mm -hmm. and this Mm -hmm. was very straightforward yeah this was this was a kind of by the numbers uh backstory yeah for a character i mean we did get to see some things we got to see you know the state of affairs on on their world um that we'd heard about you know multiple times in season one um, you know, I was given the Kelpians, uh, kind of, you know, genetic, um, ability, you know, the, the fact that they, uh, are kind of encoded to be able to sense fear and, you know, stay alive when being hunted, etc. I was expecting it to be more of a very, um, you know, straightforward, oh, they're, well, there's a, a dominant race on their planet that hunts them down and things like that. But instead, no, they're just like sacrificing themselves up to some kind of weird monolith. Yep. Um, so I, I guess maybe at some point in the past was more of a situation where they had to evolve these traits <laughs> because as it was, they're just sort of like cattle, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And yeah, and so you can kind of see, you know, when they went to the Mirror Universe and the Kelpians were basically cattle. Um, it, it tied in with that, I think. Um, and, uh, yeah, I guess his, his desire to travel among the stars was stronger than the desire to stay with his family. <laughs> well, Basically, it's like, hey, sis, I'm never going to see you again. He, well, he's like, there's something greater out there that I need to see, so. Yeah, 
And and hopefully, I mean, I guess he doesn't know whether or not his sister will be okay, right? She could have to sacrifice herself up. Yeah. But, you know, that's just the way it goes, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Also, I think if you're trying to not um, violate the uh, the prime directive, maybe don't come in so hot <laughs> like all your lights on. <laughs> like, that was a pretty intense landing there, Philippa. Yeah. Uh, it was nice to see uh, Giorgio again, though. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, like like we talked about in, in the intro to this episode, I mean, it's obvious that she's a character that's going to going to stay around. And uh, I'm glad, because I think she's really great. Yeah. Uh, Short Treks, episode four, The Escape Artist, original air date, January 3rd, 2019. We're finally in this year. Oh, great. Yeah, we're almost caught up. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, So, Harry Mudd, he's back. Uh, He's delivered by a bounty hunter to a Tellerite named Tevrin Crit. Uh, Crit okay. is upset at Mud for sleeping with Crit's sister and stealing a cudgel, a family heirloom. Okay. Yeah, sounds like Mud. Yep. Uh, Mud has a flashback to when he was in a similar situation with a Klingon, and uh, Crit is going to deliver Mud to Starfleet. Uh, Mud tries to convince Crit that Mud is part of a secret resistance uh, <laughs> tactic that he used uh, when he was captured by a different smaller alien bounty hunter earlier. Uh-huh. Uh, and then Mud tries to convince Crit that he's poor. Um, and in the past, Mud tried to convince an Orion captor that he was filthy rich. So we kind of uh-huh. get some Mud backstory here. Ah, oh, Mud. He's just always lying. Yeah. Uh, Crit takes Mud to the Federation starship Demilo, and Mud begs for his freedom. Uh, but Crit hands him over to the Federation. Anyway, the DeMilo officer reveals that he knows that this is not the actual Harry Mud, but an android decoy, because the DeMilo has gotten several of these decoys already. So there's a bunch of android muds bunch, wandering around. A bunch of muds. It's uh, interesting that they are so lifelike, uh, especially when you see Data, who's in the wind <laughs> the future. <laughs> I know, I know. I was thinking the same thing. To just kind of suspend what just fully here, folks. <laughs> right. Um, maybe, uh, you know, something happens in between now and next gen. And uh, yeah, yeah. Mud is just a smarter uh, Android creator, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, it turns out that Mud is disguising himself as a tall female alien bounty hunter, who was seen mm-hmm. in the beginning of the episode. And he hands off decoys to other aliens who want to cash in on the Harry Mud bounty. Uh, for a small finder's fee, of course. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the end, he even offers to sell a slightly used cudgel. Right. He had it all along. Yep. Now, I'm wondering how this could this scheme could be practical in, in, in <laughs> any way. Is he making enough from selling the androids to pay for making the androids? Well, maybe the androids are very inexpensive. Yeah, maybe they're they're cheap off the shelf androids. It's, but we know it's that, all replicated yeah. parts. He doesn't really mm-hmm. need to pay for those. That's true, and they're all just they're not unique. They're just all copies. Um, but this, you know, obviously there's Mud's women in the original series, so it's a nice nod to that android situation. Yeah. Yeah. What'd you think? Uh, it was okay. Uh, I like. Uh, Rain Wilson. Yeah, Rain Wilson. I like Rain Wilson as uh, Mud. Uh-huh. But I 
I don't know. I feel like they should use them more sparingly. They've used mud a lot in the right. show already. Right. It would be like if uh, if Q was on every other episode of Next Gen, you know? Yeah. Because he's totally the Q character. Sure. You know, he's the he's the comic relief. Um, and uh, yeah, I like him a lot too. I you know I thought it, it was a it was a fun episode. Um, it was the tone of this was. I mean, even when Mud appeared on in season one, uh, you know that was still handled in a you know slightly comedic way. This, on the other hand, was like a straight up you know comedy, right. like uh, like you might have seen from a comedic episode of an older Trek series, mm-hmm. which was kind of refreshing to see. To see you know uh, modern Trek trappings, uh, Rain Wilson's Harry Mud, yet with like kind of a much more lighthearted. Uh, theme or tone i guess that's the right way to put it yeah uh, star trek discovery overall has a pretty dark heavy tone uh, at least mm-hmm. season one so mm-hmm. it's kind of nice to have a little levity every once in a while yeah and uh so we got a whole lot of concentrated mud i think and, we're uh, good on mud like to us take a little break from harry mud for okay. a little bit <laughs> yeah we've gotten a lot of mud uh let's 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 see some new stuff right yeah uh so that's short the short tricks yeah overall overall good cool. uh, i like the anthology format of it like the very episodic format of focusing mm-hmm. on different characters um i wouldn't mind if there were a whole show that was like this that's really interesting yeah i would uh, hey if you're listening cbs you're trying to fill up all access with track shows let's uh let's see maybe maybe that's part of what this was about maybe they're testing to see how popular these were um i would i would definitely go for like a uh i guess uh, like you said black mirror uh it's like black mirror but you know an anthology series would be really cool yeah um i don't think this is quite enough to keep people subscribed though like certainly i did oh, sure i didn't resubscribe for a 15 minute episode you know right right and and you have to think that that that's what they were hoping right that oh well we'll we'll kind of string these along and in between seasons and people will stay subscribed just for that no definitely not but if it was a you know a weekly thing Mm -hmm. as part of the service yeah yeah sure it's even you know it's another reason to keep it i think that's the show all right. Uh, thanks for listening, everybody, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.